Welcome back, everybody, into the Car Chronicle podcast. This is uh, Friday, November 18th. It is the, the morning here in sunny and lovely and cold Louisville, Kentucky. Mike Rutherford in the house, along with Danny Sennard, who is up in, I'm assuming, gross and cold and, and always gross uh, Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I uh, yeah, traveled this week, uh, so coming back to cold, snowy Columbus, um, it's really setting in how long this winter is going to be, um, especially with the uh, the state of cards basketball, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second. But we do have the holidays coming up, so that's good. Uh, my Vikings are 8-1, and one, so I can't complain about that. Um, but, yeah, things are going okay. <laughs> what, what a rousing <laughs> It's like... <laughs> I know. Yep, things are going okay. I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, we're we're a podcast that talks about little basketball, and we're literally one of the worst teams in the nation. I'm not exactly doing I cartwheels mean, across the house. The, uh, yeah, the, the winter cut. It's going to be a long five months. It's the, it's one of the worst parts about the start to this basketball season is looking ahead and being like, what do we do in in January if we don't have this to look forward to? Um, this past week, I had my wife Mary was in Orlando for work. So I had the the two kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, to myself, which was just, you thought your Appalachian State Tuesday night reaction was bad? <laughs> Imagine having it with, with screaming children and nowhere else to turn. Uh, that was my Tuesday night. So uh, we'll get into that. It's a, look, it's the big topic to shore. And I know I, I do the radio show every day, and we try to talk a little football. We try to bring up some nonsense, and all anybody wants to talk about is the state of this Louisville men's basketball program, which is understandable because we've quite literally never been in a position like this before where we have a first-year head coach that we're trying to give the benefit of the doubt to, and yet we are off to the worst start in any of our lifetimes. I don't care how old you are if you're listening to this. This is the worst start to a Louisville season that any of us have ever experienced. And I guess here's where we're going to start today. Let's go back in the Wayback Machine. I want to take you back to a, a, a... a magical time, a, a magical point in history, that glorious time of May 2022, six months ago, you know, we were on the podcast, and you and I certainly, uh, you know, when we were breaking down the coaching search, had our reservations about Kenny Payne, me probably more than you. He's a KP hater. He hates him. No, uh, I mean, I, 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 I listed off my reservations. I still have some, certainly, and when he was hired, I think we all just kind of we, we tried to buy in as much as possible. We wanted this to work. We wanted to give whoever the new hire was going to be the benefit of the doubt. And we all wanted this to be what gets Louisville basketball back to being Louisville basketball. And I said when we, I think the first podcast we did after the Kenny Payne hire, you've got a faction of this fan base that is very skeptical right now. I think it's smaller than the, the faction of the fan base that was very optimistic. But Kenny Payne, if he wants to win everybody over, if he wants to unite the fan base and prove definitively that he's the guy, he's got to do one of two things in the first year on the job. One, he can overachieve on the court. He can take this team that, at the time, I don't think we knew how bad the roster was going to look. There was some hope that he could kill in the transfer portal. But it's still, it was going to always be a team that most people nationally thought was not going to make the NCAA tournament. You could take that team and turn it into an NCAA tournament or NCAA tournament caliber type team. Like, just miss the tournament, be on the bubble, go to the NIT, have a Rick Pitino type first season, 19 and 13, something like that. Two, if the team struggles the way it looked like they might, you can kill it in the 2023 recruiting class. This is, you know, this is what you're supposed to be bringing to the table. A program like Louisville, in ordinary circumstances, would not be expected to hire a coach who's never coached a game before, who's never been a head coach. So there's got to be a give and take there. Your give is you're supposed to be bringing in the caliber of player that Louisville has not seen in recent years. That they haven't been recruiting, even with Rick Pitino, Chris Mack, late in the Denny Crum era, certainly, we weren't getting the type of player that Kenny Payne was supposed to bring to the table. We are now in getting close to, mid, to late November here. The season obviously is... Like I just said, it's the worst we've ever seen. The on-court results are not getting it done at all. And the recruiting results now are not getting it done either. There's not much to fall back to fall back on when it comes to the 2023 class. 
he clearly did not have, I mean, much time to get anything going with the 2022 class, so that's understandable. But right now, the players that we got visits from, the players that we were in on, they're going elsewhere. We have two current signees for the 2023 class. They're good players. They're back into the top 100 type players in Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of panic amongst the fan base. And we can get into the, the latest piece of news when it comes to this, and then I'll, I'll get your thoughts here. But we find out, you know, I, I said on the show a couple of times this week, the buzz on A.J. Johnson, the five-star kid that's out there, the only remaining five-star prospect in the 2023 class. The buzz has been not great for Louisville. It sounds like Texas is the leader. Jeff Greer in his newsletter post yesterday that Texas is definitely the leader. LSU is the only other college school that's mentioned, and it doesn't sound like Louisville's even going to get a visit from, from A.J. Johnson. Um, of course, he was supposed to come here for Louisville Live, canceled at the last second, said he was going to reschedule. We now find out today that he's going to make his college decision on Monday. He will definitely not be taking a visit to Louisville. It seems far, far more likely than not that he's not going to commit to Louisville. And that means that Kenny Payne's first class at Louisville, his first full recruiting cycle, is going to, unless somebody decommits and, and chooses Louisville in the process, it's not going to include a five-star prospect. It's not going to be a top-five class. It's probably not going to be a top-ten class. It's going to be a class that kind of reminds you of Chris Mack's recruiting classes, which those were okay, but that's not what was promised when Kenny Payne was hired. So, Dan, that's the state of things, and, and I think that you can— you can still be optimistic for the future. You can still hold out hope. You can still say, we don't want to fire this guy. It's still too soon for any of that. That, that talk is ridiculous. But we need something positive to happen sometime relatively soon. No, you're 100% right. And, like, I thought about, I mean, it's, it would be easy. And, I mean, like you said, you're on the radio show every day. I come on here once a week. Like, it would be easy for me to come on right now and just fucking hell raise and you know, shit on everyone about what's going on. But, like, in reality, you know, as far as, like, on the court, I mean, I'll get to that in a second. But, like, off the court, like, I, I really I, – I feel for these kids on the team. Like, I really do. Like, I'm sure when they committed to Louisville, like, a, a you know, a top six, seven program, I mean, there's not any thought that could have come in their mind that, you know, this is how their college experience would go. Um, so from that standpoint, I feel bad. And I also, and I know people might not agree with me. I mean, I, I do feel for Kenny a little bit. I mean, the honeymoon was, it's been very short. Um, I mean, the, the fan base is definitely fractured right now. Um, and there just seems to be no momentum on any front. Um, so from like a personal side, like I, I do, I, I, I feel for those guys. Um, now with that being said, all right, I mean, these kids are on scholarship, you know, Kenny Payne is getting paid, you know, over a million dollars at a perceived top six, seven program in the nation. I mean, we got to see something here. Like, you know, like you said, it's been May since he was hired. And yes, I know he warned that, Hey, you know, this is going to be a process, but I mean, he also made those comments when he probably thought that the IARP was going to bring down a somewhat significant hammer, and that didn't happen. Um, but, I mean, we're six, seven months into the job here, and, I mean, I hate to say it, but, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for one positive, and, you know, unfortunately, I haven't seen any. I mean, the, the, I, the one thing I was hoping, I mean, recruiting is what it is right now. It, it sucks. We're probably going to have to hit the portal, whatever. We can get to that. But from like an on-the-court standpoint, I think that's where me and you had some reservations. Like, hey, it, this is tough. We're bringing in a first-time head coach to a huge program. I mean, our fans aren't stupid. They can see what good basketball is, and we've been spoiled by that. We've had great coaches. So we know what good basketball is. We know what team basketball is. So we're not going to be fooled. And, yes, maybe the talent is down a little bit, but – I mean, the first three games, I, I just, I was, I've just been so disappointed by the on-court demeanor, the fundamentals, the body language. Um, have we shown like random flashes? Yes, but unfortunately, that that 
almost tells me they're they're being poorly coached and whatever message he's trying to send isn't getting through. So, you know, on the court, I mean, we got to see something. We will, I promise, Louisville fans are knowledgeable enough to where if you show us hustle, like full out 40 minutes fucking playing your ass off and you lose, I promise, like, we will get behind this team. Yeah. But when it's half ass, like, it's – there's just no way around it. You're not going to win anybody over and we're not dumb enough to fall for that. So that needs to change first and foremost. And if we can get that going in the right direction, you know, maybe some of that other stuff like recruiting and whatnot might pick up. I know there's different factors there, but you know, from an on-court standpoint, I mean, we got to see so much more right now. It's the biggest thing for me is the recruiting is disappointing for sure. And let's not act like it's not the fact that we're zero and three playing three out of the four worst teams on our schedule is is very bad. But the biggest thing to me, the biggest red flag, the biggest cause for concern is the way it looks and, and the, the lack of effort, the lack of focus that we've seen through these first five. Because I just assumed that that was going to be significantly improved because it always is when you bring in a new coach to a bad situation and you've got open playing time. I mean, the bar. The bar could not be lower right now. Right. If you're comparing this to the relative to the history of Louisville basketball. And the one thing that drives me crazy right now, there's a lot of stuff going on with the fan base as far as, you know, yeah, yeah, there's some fire Kenny Payne stuff. I think it's very, very small. There's a lot of still like Kenny Payne can do no wrong. He, we can go 0 and 31 and he's still the guy. There's a lot of extreme talk out there. The thing that drives me more crazy than, than anything is this revisionist history from some people saying, what do you guys expect? You guys thought he was win a national championship in year one. You guys thought he was go- there was going to be no wait time. You guys thought it was going to be, you know, he told you it was going to be a, a rebuilding process. We knew it was going to be bad, again, relative to our own historical standards. I said a million times, like, even when people were saying, we can be tournament good, we don't need extra guards. I'm saying this is going to be a bad season. We need to be patient. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Nobody thought it was going to be 0-3 against Bellarmine, Wright State and Appalachian State bad with a nice little 10-point loss to Lenore Ryan in an exhibition tossed in for good measure. And nobody thought that the effort level wasn't going to be significantly better than it was a year ago. Like Nobody is asking for this team to look like world beaters in Kenny Payne's first season. We are simply asking them to look like they give a shit. And they do at times, but they don't do it consistently enough. They seem to do it when they realize, hey, if we don't pick things up, we're going to get embarrassed nationally for the umpteenth night in a row and they start playing hard with eight minutes to go they almost win the game and they they fall short at the end because they make stupid decisions that's what this team has been through the first week and a half and i i just i I don't understand it if you've got a new coach who the the players are supposed to be connecting with you've got a great staff that the players are supposed to be inspired by you've got available playing time because you know players are coming back from a bad situation last year or players are coming to louisville with the hope of making a bigger name for themselves how are you not busting your ass for 40 minutes every time you're out there on the floor and we're just not seeing it enough? It's it's mind-blowing to me. And the latest instance of this happening is, of course, Tuesday night's game against Appalachian State where Louisville does not lead for a single second against a team that's picked to finish seventh in the uh, Sun Belt and ends up, you know, at least there was some celebrating in the KFC Yum Center for like two minutes uh, with LL sitting a last-second shot and then it being waved off. And somebody, a national college basketball guy, was texting with me uh, after the, I guess, Wednesday morning and saying, how could this possibly be worse? Like, could Kenny, yeah. what could have happened that Kenny Payne could be off to a worse start? And the only thing I could say is, if he had, in the celebration after the L. Ellis game winner, apparent game winner, gone to, like, midcourt and started DX crotch chopping or, like, <laughs> got, got – Gotten on the scorer's table like Eric Devendorf and been like, fuck the haters, fuck all y'all. Like, like that would have been the only thing that would, that would have made it Takes his shirt off, like, fucking <laughs> yeah. rips it back, like, Kobe style after he wins the championship. Like, and woo! Has to go through the handshake line with the shirt still ripped as, like, he realizes that his team is 0-3. I was oh. like, besides that, I don't think it could be much worse. And that's where we are right now. You can still have hope for Kenny Payne. I still have hope for Kenny Payne. I'm still trying to be as patient as possible, but you have to look around right now and say, 
through the first eight months that he's been on this job, there has been no progress whatsoever from the situation that he inherited. Recruiting has not gotten better. The transfer portal was a gigantic swing and miss last last offseason. The product on the court has never been worse than it is right now. This is this is as bad of a start as he could have possibly gotten off to. A hundred percent. And like maybe I'm being insensitive here, but like the woe is me shit is really starting to kind of wear on me a little bit. Like I do. I, I, I understand the last couple years have been difficult on these kids. Like and I, 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 I do sympathize with it, okay? But that is, like, no fucking reason not to bust your ass during the game. Like, I, yeah. I don't understand. Like, that keeps being brought up. It's like, you don't know what these kids have been through. Like, I mean, geez. Like, does it mean they can't dive after a loose ball or get in a defensive stance or box out on a free throw? Like, I mean, come on. I, I don't know. Like, And I know there's not a lot kenny can really say right now to appease the fan base i mean it's got to be shown on the court um and you know like eric crawford wrote in his column i mean we're not there in practice to see it so you know it's it's kind of hard for the fan base to to be like geez well what kind of message is he sending here but um yeah i mean i don't know like I'm still like really like I I I do want to buy into this guy. We both said on past podcasts like it would be amazing if this somehow worked. Um, there there's blinking lights all over the place that this might not you know might not be the fit here. I, I mean, geez, I can't believe I, I don't want to compare it to this, but I have to. Like, I'll never forget when we had Steve Crabthorpe's first game against was it. Indiana State, or I don't even know who it was. No, we we beat we beat Murray State by like seven. Yeah, it was like second, seventy. The second game, was, and then it was that second game, like I mean, Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee, like we gave up like forty points, and we were like, oh, uh, yeah. Um, then we go and lose to Kentucky, and we're like, Jesus, like maybe Kentucky's like we're like talking ourselves out of it, like maybe Kentucky's good this year. I mean, Woodson looks amazing, and then they, you know, lose as one of the biggest favorites of all time to Syracuse. Then it was like, okay, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, um, you know, so there was some warning signs there that, hey, you know, we 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 might have swung and missed here. So I don't want to go that far, you know, with Kenny. I, you know, yes, recruiting looks awful, you know, not awful, but it looks very, you know, not in a good state with no momentum right now, but I am going to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, with the, the transfer portal. I mean, he at least deserves that, even though I have no idea what happened this year, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I do think these guys need support. I'm sure it's tough uh, with all the negativity floating around the program, but I mean, if we're going to give them support, I mean, they got to give us something back. I mean, we need a full 40 minutes. Um, and like I said earlier, like the fans will get behind you and appreciate you if you can give us that. The strange thing about kind of the current state here locally to me is like typically when you have a situation like this where there's a new coach who has a good reputation nationally, goes to a program and struggles early on, the – like, like the local scene is much, much tougher on that coach than the national scene. And it's sort of the reverse here where I think nationally people are way more taken aback by this start at Louisville. Um, I guess I, I, was, I was texting with this person, the national writer. Second time I've referenced that. It's no big deal. Like people, like, I, <laughs> He's I a national writer. He's a national guy. <laughs> um, he's writing a story that I think is going to come out today about basically the, the theme of the story is – no coach, no first-year coach at a power program has ever gotten off to a worse start than Kenny Payne has gotten off to at Louisville right now. And that's kind of, I mean, other people have touched on it. I know Kevin Sweeney at Sports Illustrated um, touched on it in his response, to his sort of like weekend recap. There's a lot of national people that are looking at this and are like, this is, I mean, I've kind of been screaming it on the radio show sometimes this week. Like, this is Louisville basketball, for God's sake. Right. Like, this, this is not a, a rebuilding effort at Ole Miss, or not a rebuilding effort at you know Northwestern. This is the Louisville men's basketball. We were winning a national title 10 years ago. We were you know always, per- perennially, a top 15, top 10 team. We should always be in the mix when things are normal. And I get that things are not quote-unquote normal right now, but they should never be this bad. They right. should never be. And I don't think that that's a hot take to say that. Like that, that That's not being impatient it's not like 
if we had gone 0-3 in Maui th- this coming week after winning our first three games to start the season, I think a lot of people would have expected that. You were still, even with this roster, because the roster is bad relative, again, to our standards traditionally, but it's not bad enough to be losing to teams that aren't even the favorites in the Horizon League, the A-Sun, and the Sun Belt, which is exactly what we've done to start this season. Like, there's enough talent out there to beat the teams that we've played so far, and we haven't we, we haven't come out with effort. We have, we've gone through the motions at times. And then when we start playing hard and put ourselves in a position to win, we piss down our leg, which is part of having a, a, a guy who's never been a head coach before and part of having a team that now I think doesn't know how to win. We've lost – I mean, think about this for a second. The Louisville men's basketball program, going back to last year, has lost 15 of its last 17 games. Jeez. 15 losses in 17 games. It's fucking unbelievable. It really is. And it, and you're sitting here, and there are some people who are like, well, we knew it was going to be bad. We knew it was going to take some time. Nobody thought it was going to be this <laughs> yeah. bad. Nobody was predicting 0-3. Louisville has – the last time we started 0-3 was 86 when we were coming off the national title and lost three games to two quality opponents. One was Northeastern in the Great Alaska Shootout. We have never, in the 109-year history of the program, lost our first three games when they've all been at home. And – I think we haven't lost our first three home games, period, since 1939 when we were losing to, like, the local YMCA and Center College and stuff. Like, this is quite literally unheard of in the modern era of Louisville basketball, what's happening right now. We knew it was going to be a slow rebuild. There's no excuse for it being this slow. And, I mean, we've got L. Ellis, who's the eighth leading scorer in the country. He's clearly a very good guard. We've got guys that have pro potential, whether it's in the NBA or somewhere overseas, we should not be in this position right now. And if they were playing hard, if they were motivated, if they were focused, and if they were doing the right things on the floor, they wouldn't be 0-3. And at some point, you have to say, that falls on the head coach. When his excuse after the Appalachian State game is the guys just aren't practicing hard, we're not getting through to them, that's on you. It's not on, like There were reasons for this team to look unmotivated and pissed off last year when they had like 17 different head coaches and, a bu- and apparently were fighting each other after every game. That was the part that was supposed to be cleaned up right off the bat. The X's and O stuff, the getting better talent, we knew that that was going to take time. But the culture stuff, the attitude change, the you know fixing the effort level, that was supposed to be visible from day one, and it has not been. And that, to me, is the biggest disappointment so far. Let me ask you this, because they're all one-point losses. Like I know what my perception of the team would be if, like, let's say we pulled out two of these hell even one like what what do you think like i mean i i think the national narrative would be different because i think those guys just kind of look at wins and losses um but like for me at least like even if we win these games by one like i it wasn't gonna fool me how we've looked on the court um like i don't care if it's this louisville team i don't care if it's like the 2013 team, I don't even care if it's, like, you know, male high school. Like, you need to put a product on the court that looks like an organized team, that looks like they've practiced together and are cohesive together. And, honestly, it looks like an AAU game. Um, You know, you got guys on the floor, you know, maybe one guy might run over to help him up instead of, like, four guys sprinting over there. A foul called, you know, you got kind of like a half-ass huddle at like the free throw line. And I'm not saying like doing this stuff is going to bring winning basketball, you know, back. But I mean, look at the teams that are the best in college it, basketball. Exactly. They all do that shit. 100%. They all do it. Like it's corny as fuck. But like this is it matters. What, yeah, it does. Like this is what teams do. Like we, we got guys that just kind of look like they're like off on their own, like doing their own thing. It looks very like mumble jumbled. Um, and I don't know, like even, even with wins, I was not going to be, you know, fooled to be like, oh, well, I mean, we are two and one or we're three and oh, like, you know, this team honestly doesn't look like any messages getting through them. And like you said, that falls on the head coach. So, um, I don't know. We were Island boys last year. Like (laughs) we are an Island team, but, uh, yeah, it could get, geez. I mean, I know like. I don't think it can go lower because of like, we're going to be playing like higher caliber teams. And yes, we're probably going to get blown out um, by a couple of them, but 
I don't. I, even with that being said, I don't think he can get lower in the first three games. So um, we'll see what happens in in Maui here. It was definitely not comforting in the hours after the App State <laughs> loss to see the Arkansas highlights <laughs> that were floating around the internet, like the the Travon Brazil dunk where he just I mean, that was like, the dunk that of, was unbelievable. Might be the dunkie of the year in college basketball, and I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, ever heard of Zan Payne, motherfucker? You're about to. You, <laughs> yeah. You ever? God. Oh, man. You ready to get Zand? Um, I, poor Zan Payne. Zan Payne's always catching strays. Like, I know. I that's not fair to him. He plays hard. I mean, and at this point, I'm fine with playing Zan Payne and Hersey Miller, like, decent minutes because at least they're trying when they're out there. I, I'd rather see that than, than just half-assed, I don't care about this team. I don't seem to care about basketball. I'm going through the motions effort like we've seen from some other players um, so far this season which I just I, I simply just do not get. But I'm totally right there with you on your point. Let's say let's say L. Ellis' shot gets off a tenth of a second earlier. We win that game. Let's say uh, Trey Calvin's shot for Wright State finds iron, and we win that game. And let's say Rose Wheeler's put back against Bellerman goes in, and we win that game. I'm still sitting here being like, this isn't great. Right. Like, this, is, this is not good. The effort level I can't believe is this bad. They shouldn't need to be waking up. Uh, this late in games, like this is, it, it's still a red flag to me. The fact that they're zero and three is is obviously, it exacerbates things. But I don't think it would change the big picture when it comes to the outlook for the season and not seeing the first steps of this program building that we were hoping to see in Kenny Payne's first season. Um, it, it, we we can focus. I, I hate to, like you said, like I hate focusing on players specifically because they're just kids. I, yep. I I get that. But I do think that there has to be one specific case that we talk about that kind of envelops the the overall state of the program right now. So yesterday during his pre-Maui press conference, Kenny Payne gets asked about Sidney Curry. Like, you know, this is a guy, I think it was Rick Bose asking the question. He says, you know, this is a guy that, you know, was the team's best player at the end of last season. You thought he was a guy that was going to be able to give you 12 to 14 points, 6 to 8 rebounds every single night. That's not happening why like, like what can you tell us about how we got here with Sidney Curry and the first word that Kenny Payne says is conditioning like you know we've been conditioning this whole offseason we're conditioned today he's just he's not in good enough shape he's not and like, I was kind of like are you kidding me? yeah you, I know. You know that's tough he, we all see it like we all see that he physically looks differently than he did in late February, early March, but all we heard this summer from the players in the the videos that the social media team was putting out was they're they're running, they're running, they're running, they're running, they're getting in the best shape of their lives. Um, we heard during practice when people started attending practices, they're they're running, they're running, they're running, they do a lot of running. Sidney Curry looks like he hasn't been doing any running. Like yeah. he, he's very clearly resisting whatever the coaching staff is trying to do to you know, make him do, which is okay, but. He's not being punished at all for that. If you're sitting here saying that we're trying to get our team in the best physical shape possible and we've got a guy who's just not buying in, who's just not doing the things he needs to do to be in peak physical condition, how are you starting him and playing him the amount of minutes that you are? I mean, we haven't – forget Rick Pitino. Any coach worth assault, if that's the case, is going to bench that guy even if he is maybe your most physically talented post player. Like, imagine – if Ellis Miles, remember, like he was always the great Patino success story. He looked yeah. like a an, an out of shape, just unhappy problem child in the last couple of years of the Denny Crum era when he was a freshman and a sophomore. And then you know we all kind of assumed that he would get run out of town by Patino, and instead he gets his act together and he becomes you know a catalyst to a Final Four team a few years later. Imagine if he hadn't. Imagine if he hadn't improved his body fat, improved his attitude, gotten in better shape. He would have been gone before. You know, he, he would have been right there with Carlos Hurt and Brandon Bender, would not have made it through the first semester under Patino. The fact that, we, like, if Curry's not going to buy in, if that's truly the issue, that he's just not working hard enough to be in good shape, stop playing it. Right. He's not giving us anything on the floor right now, anyway. No, 100%. I mean, that we were talking about the red flags. I mean, geez, that, is, that there couldn't be a bigger red flag than that. That, you know, you have all off season to develop your best returning player and for him to come in in the shape that he's in is I mean it couldn't be a bigger indictment on the staff unfortunately um 
you know, I just, I don't understand how that happens. And again, I don't want to pick on him because geez, your, your boy. And I, I'm a, I'm apologize if I pronounce his name wrong, but Justin rank, the guy who puts out those, uh, like, yeah. you know, clips of the game. I mean, how many clips have we seen so far of us missing a shot and the entire team beating us down the floor? I'm like, Jesus, yeah. like, uh, you know, what kind of conditioning were we, were we like walking up steps? Was that the conditioning program in the off season? Um, it's it just, it, I don't know. There's really nothing to say. It boggles my mind, but I mean, yeah, if, if, if you want to do anything this season, you know, somewhat productive, I mean, Sid has to get in shape because he's like the one guy that can kind of bang down low and get putbacks and, um, you know, somewhat, imposes will on other teams we really don't have any other players like that i know you know bhh is he's tall but he's you know fortunately he's kind of soft and you know that's not really his style of game it seems like and rose seems like he's far away there so i'm with you man like if you're not gonna fucking run like if you're not gonna hustle i don't care if we play the walk-ons and zan and who else like it really won't bother me but like, so. you have to send a message. This is unacceptable. Like, this isn't Oregon State basketball. Like, sorry for catching us straight there, Oregon State. But, like, this is Louisville. Like, <laughs> we're, I, I, I just don't understand it. You have to play hard. That's That should be a given at this university or else, you know, you're going to ride the bench. Um, yeah, Poor Wayne Tinkle listening to the podcast, like, what the fuck? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of these guys. By the way, I'm a, that- I'm a, if you didn't know, I, I, I told you this. I'm a Colorado Buffs fan now, guys. Okay. I you was at a time trade in Myrtle show Beach at, with the Buffs. I was. I was in Myrtle Beach for work, and I'm literally taking a work haul. I'm at a, a trade show in a convention center. And, like, next thing you know, I'm, like, basically in the middle of a Colorado Buffs walkthrough for basketball. I was like, holy shit. Um, saw Tad Boyle drinking a Diet Pepsi. Do with that what you will for the future. But they did go <laughs> on, and, they did go on and lose to UMass yesterday. So obviously, uh, the uh, the Dan um, luck rubbed off on them. You heroically led them to a three point loss <laughs> to the Fighting Matt Crosses of UMass. Yeah. Who, which by the way, real quick uh, aside, UMass fans getting the full Matt Cross experience <laughs> I already. Saw he was their best player in their exhibition game, and I saw all their fans were like, this guy may be the best player on the team this year. Like, this guy, he does a little bit of everything. In the first game, they're like, Matt Cross, a mysterious late-game scratch. He's walking out in street clothes. And then the second game plays really well. I think he had 16 points, hit three threes. And then his third game was last game, one of eight from the field, two points, six rebounds. I was like, that's the full Matt Cross experience in about you, two weeks. You know what, though? I would pay to have Matt Cross on the team right now, unfortunately. Like, any of those guys that transferred out, like, I mean, geez, Dre Davis, yeah. he's he's solid, Seton Hall. Um, you know, I, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but I have a hard time, um, you know, coming to grips with some of these guys at least. I know there were some situations were different, but how some of these guys couldn't be, a, you know, a help to the team right now. Yeah, Matt Cross, I think, was going to leave regardless, yeah. but he's he's now in a situation. I mean, Frank Martin's going to murder him. <laughs> Matt, Matt Cross may not I live through the Frank season. I Frank Martin's there. Jesus. He, Matt Cross may not survive the season, and I mean that literally. I'm not talking about him transferring to a seventh school in seven years. Frank Martin may actually kill him. I think, that, that th- is, I think they're both big enough nutcases where they kind of, like, offset each other a little bit. They're insane. It's either it's either going to work perfectly or one of them is going to be killed. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's possibly going to happen. But I'm with you. I mean, I watched a little bit of Seton Hall versus Iowa this week, and, and Dre Davis was Seton Hall's leading scorer. There's conflicting reports there about, you know, what went down. Did, I know originally – I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that originally when Chris Mack was, was let go, Davis wanted to stay here. He and his brother Tay were going to stay regardless of who the coach was. Some people are saying Kenny Payne um, had the door open to everybody. So other people are saying certain people were forced out. Um, I, I know for a fact that like Sam Williamson was going to leave regardless. Like he, I think I think about this time last year, everybody knew that Sam Williamson was going to leave after the season to be closer to home. Matt Cross, same thing. Um, 
the Davis brothers, I'm a little bit less sure on, but we certainly could use them. Hell, I mean, we could use somebody on the radio show the other day was like, could we use Noah Locke right now? I'm like, are you fucking? Yes, of course we could. We could use Quan Four right now. Do Give me, have, I mean. We have a I, Josh Chichester, like, for football that, like, we can bring in and give minutes to. Like, I mean, I, I joke about that, but I'm also somewhat serious if there would be anyone willing to come suit up. Give me a Tony Hicks right now. I'd give my left arm for a Tony Hicks on this team. Tony, remember uh, his random good tournament game? Was that against? Was that the game we lost against Michigan that he played really well? Did he play? Was Something, I, I don't remember. That. Yeah, he, he had. I feel like he played good one tournament game. I'll have to go back and look. But I was like, "There's the Tony I was waiting for." Uh, fun, fun story about Tony Hicks. Um, I, I guess I don't care. I can tell the story. Rick Pitino gave me the news that Tony Hicks was going to be out of the team before anybody else. And Pitino, like, never even saw him play. Like, like basically had no idea who this kid was. He called me to let me know that we were going to take this kid named Tony Hicks. And um, he, he basically was like, I trust his high school coach a lot, so I'm just taking his word for it. I'm like, is this how we're getting major players in, 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 the, re, in the transfer era? Pitino's old friend from, uh, from New York who had coached him in high school vouched for him, so we just took him. So I wrote the story about us getting Tony Hicks, and then right away Evan Daniels texted me and was like, "Tony Hicks is not good enough to play at Louisville." <laughs> so he's like, "He's like, I don't know what Rick is doing," um, but I, I I would definitely take Tony Hicks right now on this team. But uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's the talent level. I mean, we we need guards. There's no way around it. We've we're set it all summer. We need fucking guards. People acted like we didn't. I don't know what you were thinking, but. This team could use Noah Locke. They could use Tony Hicks. They could use Quan Ford. They could use any one of the million guards that were out there available in the transfer portal uh, to come here. And I don't – I mentioned I'm sick of people saying that people expected a national title in year one. No, nobody yeah, expected that. I'm equally sick of the – we couldn't get anybody in the portal because of the IARP. It's bullshit. Yeah. Like, we passed on guys early in the process because we thought we were going to get better players. Kenny Payne said as much back in May. And – ultimately we just it was a huge miscalculation we swung and missed there were guys available who would have absolutely come here i mean one you could easily tell these guys that i can't guarantee we're going to be eligible for the 2023 ncaa tournament but i'm pretty sure we've got a good shot and two there were players out there from the mid to low major level who still would have come to louisville and who would have helped this team out significantly players who you know in a best-case scenario, would they like to play in the NCAA tournament? Sure, but still would like the, the added spotlight of playing in the ACC, of, of playing games on ESPN against Duke and North Carolina, playing on CBS against Kentucky, you know, getting to play in the Maui Invitational. All of those things would have still happened this year, even if we had a postseason ban. You could have absolutely gotten some guys on this roster that would have helped. We didn't do it, and now we made our own bed here, and you're seeing what the roster is able to do through these first three games. And, I mean, we're going to Maui now, and I worry about the safety of L. Ellis. Like, like somebody was like, do you sit L. Ellis for the first game just to have him somewhat healthy potentially against Cincinnati in the seventh-place game? And I was like, maybe. I mean, like, he's going to have to play 38 to 40 minutes, assuming he's not in foul trouble, on back-to-back-to-back days and against really quality opponents. It is a tough ask for him, and he shouldn't be in that position, but he's all we got. Like, he he's... He's the entire offense. He's the entire backcourt at this point. And it, it could have been different. It should have been different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If I'm looking for a bright spot, I mean, me and you talked about, like, it, this This sounds harsh, but, you know, if things were going, like, in a way where, like, Louisville is Louisville, like a top 25 program, you know, whatnot, and the roster is completely different, like, to me, the – the one guy that I want on the team, well, I say one, possibly two. Like, I think Mike James on a, on a really good like normal Louisville team could be a great like sixth, seventh guy. Um, and I'm not giving up hope on Kamari yet, um, but you know he's a couple games in. He's I know that he's probably in his own head a little bit. Um, you know, as far as shooting the ball. Um, yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to throw in the towel on him yet, but he, he does need he he does need to improve his his pace of play. I want to say this, and, and we can wrap up the hoops discussion on this note because you know, I, I mentioned the extreme opinions that are out there right now from different factions of the fan base. The 
the KP can do no wrong side, the KP can do no right side. And even though a lot of it annoys me from both sides, and I think some of it is just downright wrong, I'm not mad at anybody for having any of the opinions that they have right now. Yeah. Whether it's how, how extreme it is, I get it. Because at the end of the day, this all goes back to like the hurt that we've been through for the last seven years and the desire to get back to what we've been used to our entire lives, which is spending our winners living and dying with this super successful program. And this is, this is what we do. Like this is, this is how you get through these months where it's freezing outside and it's, it's dark at five forty-five, and there's not a whole lot else fun going on in the world. Like we get through it by looking forward to a, a Wednesday night ESPN game against North Carolina or a Saturday afternoon game against Notre Dame. And to not have that and to have not had it for the last several seasons in, in the manner that we're accustomed to is, is a huge blow. And I think that, Everybody is so desperate to get back to, to this being fun, to get back to this feeling like it has for most of the rest of our lives that we have extreme opinions on this. Like, like if you think that the, the best and the fastest route is getting rid of Kenny Payne and going with a better coach, then you're going to express that right now. If you think that Kenny Payne is the guy, you're going to be adamant that we need to be patient because he's going to have us back to this, this being fun and this being successful in two or three years. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. The, the, if we had been rolling when Chris Mack left, if he just left because he was tired of basketball and he'd led us to, you know, five consecutive NCAA tournaments, couple sweet 16s, maybe a final four. And now we had Kenny Payne. You'd still have extreme opinions out there, but people would be less des- desperate. Like, like, the reason why we're doing this is we've been to one NCAA tournament, two NCAA tournaments, since 2015 we've won one ncaa tournament game since 2015 like this is we are all just starving for relevancy again for a return and i think also there's a little bit of fear in all of our minds if we can admit it you know if we can admit it to ourselves there's a little bit of doubt in the back of all of our minds that we're going to be back anytime soon like you have to you look around the country you see how easy it is to fall off and never really get back to where you were I think the most obvious example is Indiana. I mean, think how many coaches they've been through yeah. in the last two and a half decades where they've thought, this is the guy, we're going to be back, the Bob Knight air is going to return, we've won five national titles, we're going to get back to six, we're going to get back to a final. They haven't played in a regional final since Mike Davis in 2001. Like they have not. It has been a long, long time without a lick of success, and I think Louisville fans now are starting to get a little bit concerned that if we don't have the right hire – you know, we could be looking at a decade like the one that they've gone through. And, and that's, it's terrifying. And I think that's what elicits all these extreme emotions. So I'm not mad at anybody for having this. I'd be more mad if the fan base was just totally apathetic and nobody cared because, you know, the opposite of love, it's not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. When you stop caring is when it starts getting really scary. So if, you, if you're mad at Kenny Payne, if you're mad at people for being mad at Kenny Payne, I get it. Like we're all in the same boat. We all want this to work. I'm just hopeful that we can find the right route, whether it's with KP or whether it's with somebody else uh, as soon as possible. Um, having said all that, would we be the funniest Maui Invitational champion of all time? Dude, if we if we won Maui, I would treat it like we won. <laughs> I, I would treat it like we won the NCAA title. I am dead serious. Like, I would want a, you know, a parade through the streets, everyone wearing Hawaiian <laughs> shirts and lays. We got like we're roasting pigs outside on Fourth Street, like a hundred percent. If we come out of Maui, I'm gonna fucking treat. I will take a week off work and I will be drinking fucking pina coladas out of coconuts, just sitting there, just absolutely basking in all the Maui glory. Kenny Payne just refuses to come home. He's like, no. He's like, he's like, we're good here. We're we're staying here for the rest of the year. Let's cancel the rest of the season. We're moving all of our home games to Maui. If we make I mean, the title be... game, we need to like set a precedent that like fans can only wear Hawaiian shirts to games like the rest of the year. Like we just yes. we're, we're an island team. Like Hawaiian shirts only. We love the island. I mean, if we just went on Monday, I yeah. want I would lo- I would love to see Kenny Payne just go shirtless, just do the muscleman thing. He's like, you wanted this guy? Like he's like just topless in the handshake line. Just let it all hang out. Um, I mean, it would be. It'd be wonderful. I have my doubts that that's going to happen. I believe Louisville, according to FanDuel, is a 96-1 to shot to win this thing. Um, 
my biggest fear is that like my biggest fear isn't even like getting blown out by Arkansas or getting blown out by Creighton or Texas Tech in, in game two because that seems it, it's certainly plausible given what we've seen from this team so far. I really, really don't want to lose to Cincinnati in the seventh place game. I, I don't like if we're gonna be eighth place, have it be against somebody else. If we're gonna win a game, let it be against UC because I still don't like Cincinnati. I love the fact that our most recent game for all these years has been Russ Smith hitting a buzzer beater in a top 10 matchup on their home floor. I don't want that to be replaced by, you know, them dropping us to 0 and 6 and 0 and 3 in Maui. Um, they had a rough game. I was going to say, yeah, they're, they're probably in the same state of shock as we are. I think they thought Wes Miller was going to be a quick fix and for them to lose to NKU, that's, it's gotta be a shock. They did, however, beat Chaminade by 43, <laughs> which was more than what we beat them by. Um, they beat EKU in a close game. They lost to NKU on uh, on Tuesday. They're the only team, by the way, besides us, with a single loss going into the Maui Invitational. Um, before before they lost that game, the other seven teams going to Maui had been a combined 18-0. and So it, it, it's a loaded field. It always is. It's especially loaded this year. I, I think we've all been, like, Louisville fans have really wanted to get back to the Maui Invitational. Rick Pitino did not like it, which is why we started going to Atlantis and doing other things um, for our November multi-team event. We're back in Maui now. I wish it was two years in the future, even next year in the future. But I'm still going to enjoy the hell out of it. I'm still going to hope for a, a surprise effort. It, it, wouldn't, it would surprise me, but it wouldn't shock me if we came out and were competitive against Arkansas and whoever we play in the second game because there's enough talent here. I can see this being a team that plays up to its level of competition, kind of like they did towards the end of last season. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the uh, maybe the small gym will help. Or did they change gyms? That's right. Do they still play in the small gym, or did they change gyms? It's still – no, it, it's still the Lahana Civic Center. The only change is they got air conditioning finally, which was long overdue. But they they haven't played the Maui Invitational at Maui since before the pandemic. That's right. Like it was okay. It was canceled the first year. Then it went to Asheville. Then it went to Las Vegas. So this is the first year like back in Maui, which is it's it's a cool thing for us to be a part of. I just wish we had a team that looked like it was going to be more. Competitive. Man, that those I mean I that was that's like nostalgic, like thinking about some of those Mauis with raftery and mcdonough and billis on the call like i i loved watching those things that was like when you knew the holidays were right around the corner um yeah. remember i mean freshman year when we were at dayton they won the maui didn't they, they won it yeah. they beat uh, they beat san diego state the final they became like the the least successful uh maui champion yeah in like in like 20 years that was the worst maui who, who is of all the time, lefty dude. on dayton uh like his uh Keith Wallace-Gowski. That's what, what. Oh my God! I cannot believe you pulled that name, Keith Wallace. His brother. His brother played at Florida State. They both were like big yeah. lefty dudes. They both. They both were pretty good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Maui. I mean, the thing that I hate the most, and I, I, I talk about this all the time. They moved the Maui championship game a few years ago. It used to always be late night on Thanksgiving Eve, and now it's like I think it tips off at five, which I, I guess I get why it makes sense. But watching that late game. Maui Invitational. It was like a, a rite of passage growing up. I remember watching it as a kid, like before I was doing anything cool. And then growing up and going to college, you know, the, the night before Thanksgiving is such a big bar night. I remember we'd watch it like we were pre-gaming. We'd watch it at the bar. Um, you always were reacting to it. And a few years ago when it was Wichita State versus Notre Dame, I was watching it with, with Mary when she was pregnant, you know, it's like late night before getting ready to go to Springfield to see her family on Thanksgiving. And now it's just, it's different. Yeah. It sucks. Not that we'd be playing it in any way, but still, ch ch change it back, Maui. Yeah. Come Do the right thing. I hear you. It was our last, real quick, and then we move on. It was our last Maui appearance. Is that when we lost to Iowa? Was that it? Yes. Um, okay, yes. I thought so. All yeah, right. we lost the first game. We, we've never gone, we've never won Maui. I think we've played there three times. We've gone one and two once and two and one twice, I believe is the is the correct. I, I have to check with Kelly Dickey or, or Kenny Klein, who, by the way, I said this on Twitter. I say it again on the podcast. I do blame Kenny for everything that's going on right now. Not Kenny Payne, Kenny Klein. That selfish, that selfish motherfucker walked away from the program, broke everybody's hearts, that's what, I don't like the way that the I, I love Zach Greenwell, but the game notes have changed. It ruins my preview uh, for Car Chronicle. I don't like anything that's happening right now. Kenny did text me after he saw that tweet and was like, "I'm not going to respond to it, but uh, thank you for the chuckle. I appreciate it." <laughs> I love. I still okay. love. I love seeing Kenny. I mean, he's posted up at his same spot at the game. So I know. Um, I think that's awesome. He can't, 
he can't tear himself away. But we need him officially out of retirement if we're going to get back. Uh, all right, that's probably enough hoops talk. We do need to talk about football. The cards, like, there's not a whole lot, I think, to say about the Clemson game. We could bitch about the officiating if we wanted to. But at the end of the day, it was a, a loss to Clemson that kind of – it was a workmanlike. Yeah, game. we're, like, we're just they, we're just not there yet. But right. I, I'm, I, I came away from it more encouraged somehow than last year's loss if that's if that's weird enough just because of the kind of the fight that we showed and you know it, there was adversity to overcome and yes we didn't win the game but um I, I was kind of proud of how they battled yeah i mean it was very clear that clemson had an advantage over us in the trenches like they were just bigger and more physical which is what you expect when you're a program like theirs that recruits the way that they do but our defense i thought held held their own they they certainly kept the offense in a position where they could have won the game. The offense, like we've seen so far this year, struggled uh, a little bit, couldn't find the big play, couldn't capitalize. And when they did, it seemed to, to not matter nearly as much. Malik gets hurt again. That didn't help matters. And Louisville loses a game. You know, They, they were a, a touchdown underdog. They lose by a couple of scores, which felt about right. But it wasn't It wasn't totally demoralizing. It wasn't you know, totally encouraging. It just was what it was. Clemson's a better program than us. They're a better football team than us. And they won a game that they were supposed to win. That was, it was kind of the long and short of it. Now this weekend, senior day, last home game, cards now six and four. We don't know Malik Cunningham's status. Their quarterback, who is, you know, Devin Leary's out for the year. Their backup, the Morris kid, has been pretty good for them. There's rumors that he's also potentially out for the year, at least out for Saturday's game. Uh, I don't think we're going to find out either way until Saturday morning. But Louisville's in a position still where you've got to win one of these last two to make sure that you're seven and five to avoid the disaster scenario that we all saw this preseason, which was going six and six, having the same kind of year that you've had before under Satterfield, not giving any sort of definitive answer one way or the other about whether or not he should be the guy long term. Please win one of these two games, preferably the UK game, preferably both. Uh, Both would, would be a dream. But this weekend, it still feels, even though this is a 6-4 and four team, it still feels like they've got a lot to play for here. Beating a ranked NC State team to get yourself above 500 definitively for the, the regular season to guarantee yourself a winning record would be no small feat. 100%. And I hate to say it, but, like, to me, this game is more gettable because, like, even though we see the state UK is in right now with the loss to Vanderbilt and things – are starting to kind of go downhill. Like there is a huge mental hurdle for our team to clear in that UK game. So, I mean, this is one, this NC state game that, that you really got to get. And and it's there for the taking. Um, You know, we have a a shit ton of big time recruits coming in. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I am cautiously optimistic about this game, which like has told me in the Scott Satterfield era, like I shouldn't be. Um, so I, I hate being optimistic, but I mean, we just, I, I, especially on the defensive side, have just been so, I mean, yes, there was a couple of times I wish we would have got off the field last week, but for the most part, we have just been rock solid there. Um, and this seems like a game that's going to, you know, n- there's not going to be a ton of opportunities to score. So when you do, you're going to have to take advantage of it. Um, I don't know the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it, it was hard to really get a read on Brock because I mean, our, our offensive line, unfortunately just got absolutely, it seemed like mauled that game. And I don't think he really got a, a fair shake to, to show what he could do. And same, same goes for Malik. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about in past pods, the, the downfield passing game. I mean, that's the one thing that's got to improve. Um, I'm hoping, you know, the running game gets going this game, but uh, we're really, I feel like we're going to rely on our defense to keep doing what they do. And that's like, you know, force turnovers and, and get us good field position. You mentioned the, the big recruiting weekend. They do have over 50 visitors coming in. A lot of current commits are coming in uh, a couple of 2023 targets, some big time 2024 and 2025 targets are also going to be on campus. Maybe the biggest news of the week when it comes as far as that front is concerned is the fact that you're getting DeAndre Moore um, right. back on campus, the, the wide receiver out of St. John Bosco, who is a electric playmaker who could really help in that downfield passing game next season. I think he's a guy that would play right away. 
He spent two weeks ago. He was at the Georgia uh, Tennessee game, visiting, taking, being an official visitor at UGA. Last week, he was at Texas for the the game against TCU, who's undefeated in the college football playoff rankings. Probably not going to be as electric an environment for him at Louisville, but hopefully, you know, we can remind him of whatever it was that got him to commit in the first place. I'll I'll, I'll say this on the recruiting front with football because I've told you this, you know, privately. And you might expect it. Like the inside info is flowing these days. Like everybody has, you know, the stories about what's going on with the basketball program, what's going on here, the problem here. I've got, I, I said on the radio show, so I can go ahead and say it here. I've got players' parents DMing me again on the basketball side, which I thought we were done with after last season, but apparently that's going to happen again this year. Um, but the news, the, the inside info, the buzz, when it comes to the football side of things, and I, you hope that this is, is legit, is that this staff and the administration both feel very confident about their ability to keep this recruiting class intact on the football side. Like they feel they've got 15 commits right now. We're we're, we're under a month away from the early signing period. All you've got to do is get to December, get them signed on the dotted line. You've got this class. They feel good about it. Like I I know Deandre Moore seems like a, a, a flip watch type guy. I think they feel like they've got a fighting shot, but everybody else they feel like is they're going to keep the other Bosco kids. They feel very good that Ruben Owens is going to stay locked in. Uh, Madden Saker, Luke Burgess, all those offensive linemen. And if they do that, all of a sudden, I mean, you get really, really optimistic about the future for Louisville football. Maybe not next season because next season they're going to have to bring in a lot of transfers to replace the guys that are, are, are departing seniors. But I think two or three years down the line, like you feel like you've got a shot to do something special. So if you've been listening to this podcast for an hour and you're like, man, this is doom and gloom, this is depressing, that's a good thing. That, that is a positive buzz that's out there. I feel good about this recruiting class staying together for the most part. Yeah, that's that's really great to hear, and I'm glad that they're they're coming in um, this weekend, and and they're all going to be together. I was like thinking about like, geez, like I mean, you know, we've always brought in recruits and like brought them to basketball games. Like maybe this year we should like bring them to like women's volleyball games. It's like, hey, come yeah. on, let's go to women's volleyball. Huh? Nothing to see over here. Nothing going on at the Yum Center, um, but. Would you guys? Would you guys care to take in light up Louisville on the day after Thanksgiving? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm laughing, but I, I'm like 100 percent serious on the women's. There's a huge thing. tree. The mayor's there. Santa's there. It's this whole fucking thing. You guys are gonna love it. They got cocoa. Do you want to go out to you Lake Forest and see the reindeer? Uh, <laughs> God, I wish they still did that. Um... We got first class, uh, first class train tickets on the Polar Express. <laughs> I, have you done the Polar Express? I have never seen anything no. more hyped up in my life. Like they, they must I, like I've, really. It must be the North Pole or something. I've heard it's a huge scam, but the kids love it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that point. Virginia's we're not there yet. Virginia, I don't think we've even read the Polar Express yet. But two years from now, I'm sure I'll be sitting my ass in that train, wanting to kill myself. But um, we're not there yet. But I'm sure AJ Johnson would love it if we yeah, got AJ campus. Polar Express, babe. But no, back to football real quick. That's great about the recruiting class. And, like, there was rumors, like, going around this week about, like, transfers and stuff like that. Like, listen, like, just because you have transfers within a football program, it does not mean, like, it's panic or doom. Like, that happens at every single program. Like, it just does. You're going to get transfers. It doesn't mean, like, the staff is losing control or whatnot. Like, it's just – that's just the way college football is. Kids are going to look for a better situation and, and whatnot. And there's going to be available kids as well that um, you might be able to tap into. So uh, I, I did love real quick. I, I did love like the reports and I use, I'm using air quotes here of like hearing things about Travion Cooley potentially transferring like, Oh, you mean the guy who's fourth on the depth chart isn't traveling with the team for road games and plays the same position as the number one incoming freshman in America. Yeah. Solid. Like, I think you can read the writing on the wall that he might be a transfer uh, potential. Like Jalen Mitchell, too. Neither one of those guys uh, uh, traveled with the team for the game to Clemson. Would not be a shock to see either one of them go. And then I did love people like, I'm hearing bad things about Amari Huggins-Bruce. And Amari Huggins-Bruce's mom gets on and she's like, really? Because I'm his mom. So so tell me what you're hearing. Yeah. I mean, I dude, I love our fan base. I really do. There, there's a couple people behind the Twitter keyboard that that, that probably need to sit out a couple plays, um, you know. And I'm I'm putting that nicely in, in all regards to Louisville Twitter. Even I mean, even I do sometimes, especially during the games. But we all do. Um, with that being said, I mean I, I do. It, it seems like our football program, even off that loss to Clemson, um, you know, 
still has some some real good momentum and um, that's that's great to see yeah they need to if they're going to keep this momentum again like right you just you, you can't go six and six and beating Kentucky I think would go a long way even though it's a down you know, UK is not looking nearly as as strong as they did a few weeks ago it kind of it creepily reminds me of last season which I hate even saying but where Going into the year, you're thinking, man, UK is going to be a heavy favorite in that game. Yep. That's going to be a tough one for us to get. Then the season starts, you're like, man, they may beat us by 40. They're in the top 15, top 10. We look like we're just you know, lame duck coach. That we may not make it through the season. And then you get to November, and you're like, well, you know, yeah, they're uh, they're they're not playing great. We're playing well. I'm, I'm using the Mickey Mouse voice <laughs> because I. I'm I'm choosing not to get my hopes up again this year. Um, I didn't really get my hopes up last year. I still picked UK because I was like, they dominate us physically in the trenches. I can't imagine that that much has changed from one year to the next. And sure enough, uh, it, it went very poorly for us. I'm gonna have to see it this year. Like, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I'll be excited for the game. I'll be very hopeful. But I'm going to need to see it before I'm like, yeah, we're we're definitely gonna beat UK. But I would love nothing more. It would make Satterfield. I mean, Satterfield has an opportunity here. With the men's basketball program struggling, with the Kenny Payne controversy out there, Satterfield has a chance to really seize the reins, win these last two games, beat UK, and kind of make himself the man of the you know the the, the focal point sports here at U of L. Especially if he could you know, reel in a bowl game win and keep his recruiting class together on top of that. Like this is a a big opportunity for Set, and whenever we say that about him, he tends to fall flat on his face. But hopefully. That doesn't happen. Well, let me ask you this: this if, if Malik is really hurt, like, is that an excuse for Scott? No, but but, but some people will use it. Um, I, I think you can't ignore the fact that Malik has not been as good as we want him to be this right. year, right? But especially he, in the past I, I agree with that. But he does bring a, a, another element that you know, like, uh, unfortunately, Brock doesn't bring. Um, and, oh, no question. But yeah. I mean. If, if, if you're asking me to choose, like I still Malik is, is the best right. chance that we have to win these two games, assuming that he's 100%. But if it's like a 60% Malik versus a 100% Brock, I think Brock Doman is is the the choice in that situation. I think Brock Doman still can absolutely beat NC State. I, I don't know if he can beat Kentucky. Yeah. We'll find out. I think he I think he can. I love Brock. I mean, he sta- he is tough as fuck. I, I agree. Like he stands I really in there. Like him too. He takes he stays in the pocket. He takes hit after hit. He just keeps getting up. He plays his ass off. He, I mean, he's limited. Certainly, he's not. He doesn't have the caliber of arm that you would expect in a program like this. But he's still, I think, is absolutely good enough to get the job done in these next two games. And I'd love to see nothing more. We've had a lot of success against UK with backup quarterbacks. Yeah. So here's hoping that that trend could continue. All right, let's uh, let's make some picks for this weekend. Cards, NC State, Louisville's a four-point favorite currently. Do we get the job done? Do we guarantee a winning record? For the first time since 2019 with a win on Saturday, Dan? I think we do. I think we're going to get it. And I apologize to the fan base if this goes the opposite direction. But um, I, like I said, I, I'm pretty optimistic about this one. I'll say uh, we win mm, 27-17. I would be so much more confident about this game if NC State had beaten Boston College because – and I think I said this when we were previewing the, the full season. NC State, they're contractually obligated to be no better than 9-3, and three, no worse than 7-5. and five. It's who they are. They're always this type of team. And I was like, if they're 8-2 and two or 9-1 and one going into this game, we're definitely going to win. If they're 6-4 and four or 7-3, and three, I get a little bit more nervous. They lose to BC. They're 7-3 and three now. They're number 24 in the, the CFP rankings. I still think we win. But, man, like, they played North Carolina in their last game, 7-5. and five. Like, this feels like an 8-4 and four type NC State team. I don't know which one they're going to get. I think this is going to be a slugfest. It's, if you had talked about this game back in August, you would have said Devin Leary, preseason player of the year, um, NFL draft pick, Malik Cunningham. The stats are outrageous. One of the most exciting players in the country. This is going to be an electric game. And now it's like this Louisville defense, which is second in the nation in sacks and, and third in the nation in turnovers forced versus this NC State defense, which is – I think the number nine rush defense in America and like the number 16 overall defense, you kind of expect this to be a slugfest. I, I, I do think Louisville wins. I'm going to say 23, 20 um, would love to see the seniors go out on top. And one guy in particular, before we, we, we you know, call it a day, obviously we want all the seniors to be celebrated on Saturday, but let's just say it like, 
Yasir Abdullah is having one of the best yep. individual seasons that we've seen from a Louisville defensive player ever. I hope that he gets you know all the accolades in the world on Saturday, a huge ovation, and sends off with a, with a victory because he, Yaya Diaby, all these guys, a lot of them who came here at the end of the Petrino era, some of them played in, in 2018. Hell, Malik was on the 2017 team with Lamar. Um, these guys have been through a lot here. Would love for their last experience at Cardinal Stadium to be a positive one. Let's get this win. Uh, as far as next week is concerned, I don't really know how we're going. I mean, if we beat Arkansas on Monday, we'll do a emergency pod. There's there's no doubt about it. But um, if, if the Maui goes kind of the way that it looks like it might, whether we go 1-2, and two, maybe 0-3, oh we'll still find a way to, to pod next week. But um, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be. But we'll have a podcast to react to Maui and to get you ready for UK at some point next week. We may have multiple podcasts depending on our schedules. I know Thanksgiving week gets a little bit crazy. Um, what, what's the scenario? Are you hosting again this year? Yeah. Uh, my brother Ooh. Colin, his wife Nat are due with a, a baby. So they're, they're, uh, they're going to be on baby watch next week. So they're not going to make it up. But um, yeah, we're going to be hosting my parents and then uh, my wife's family. So it should be a good time. Bikes play Thursday night. Um, so that's always a plus. Uh, who do the Lions got this year? They have the Bills. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Lions are showing a little fight. They're showing a little fight. Two in a row. Yeah. Uh, we do the thing where my wife and I, we rotate. We, we have our Christmas mapped out, but we rotate Thanksgiving between her family and my family. And when it's my family, you know, my parents live 10 minutes away, so we don't have to, like, travel. We don't have to spend the night or anything like that. And the, uh, I'll say Thanksgiving is much more Lions-centric when we're in Louisville years. Like, we, I watch the game, I get all into it. Yeah. And when we're in Springfield, you know, we're driving down there in the morning. They don't really, nobody else cares about the game, so we don't even watch it half the time. I'm, like, running in between the dinner table and the TV to, like, see how the Lions are doing. I'm glad that the Bills game is a Springfield year because I don't think it's going to go very well. But we've got that going on. we got World Cup next week as well. Um, that's going to be fun to watch, always getting into the World Cup. So it's a loaded sports week. We will talk to you at some point between now and then. Here's hoping it goes well. Let's go Cards. Let's beat NC State. Let's beat Arkansas. Let's beat whoever we play on Tuesday. Let's win all the games. Go Cards. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We love you. Go Cards, guys. I'm not going to moral victory a home loss to Bellarmine. I, I can't do it. I, I won't do it. Um, there were. I'm not saying it was a totally negative performance. There certainly were positives that we can talk about. But for the most part, it's a home loss to a team picked to finish sixth in the Atlantic Sun. What is that beeping? Oh, yeah, there's like a forklift like going in the other car. <laughs> 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 <What? laughs> Are we going to be able to do this? I, I, I don't even No, we're, we're good. Okay. We're good. <laughs> okay. Just... <laughs> Honestly, I needed this. I, I need. I needed the distraction for this podcast because I don't want it to be too negative. 